0: share a message tonight with you guys that it's really about something that's been more and more on my heart lately, quite frankly, something that God's really just dealing with me about and that he's been speaking to me about consistently over and over again and how many people know that when God starts saying the same thing in different ways and consistently, that there's usually something to that, right? He's trying to really do a work in you. And, and so at the heart of what I'm gonna talk about this evening, I feel like God is, is putting it in me and stirring it in me because it's something that's relevant for the church today it's relevant for the person that is wanting to really walk out the life here that christ has for them in this world that we live in today especially and i actually talked about this uh, about a month ago a little bit at this at the waterloo campus started to say central west end that's funny i talked about this uh, a little bit at the waterloo campus And some of the points and things that I'm going to discuss this evening, you know, I talked about there. But just I I think that that's a sign to me that there's really something to this. There's really something that God wants to continue to move along and really to expand and really to just pour out into what he's doing through me. And I hope and believe that it's through many people that are here tonight as well. And it kind of starts with this idea that, you know, we understand as Christians, as Christ followers, if you will, that as we walk out this life of faith, that there's going to be, you know, trials and tribulations and suffering even sometimes and adversity and difficulties. I mean, we we start to grasp as we mature in our faith that that's kind of part of what is along the journey of the walk with Christ, right? He doesn't promise us complacency or, or easy living. And... A lot of times you can look at situations where Let's just say I'll I'll use myself where I've kind of taken myself off course or I've sort of got away at a season or a time from maybe following God the way I should have or even was sort of willingly taking myself into things, doing things that I knew weren't what God wanted for me, weren't part of his plan for me. And so as we do those kind of things, kind of veer off course, if you will, we, we know that things, bad things things that bring destruction and harm, they're gonna come when we start to walk that way. We get that, and so we can look at situations in our life where there's a lot of difficult things happening, and we can account for them because maybe we've brought them kind of on ourselves by walking away from the path that God has for us. But many other times, and I would say that a lot of situations, probably that i 've seen people dealing with that 's not necessarily the thing that you can point at, although we 're never like perfectly walking out god 's plan. I think we can agree on that. The idea is is that there 's many times people are really walking. a a, a right path. I mean, they're staying on track. They're seeking God. They're praying. They're wanting what he wants for them. They're willing to turn right or turn left. In any given situation, if God says the word, you, you look at it, you say, I'm trying and doing everything I can, and I'm really, I'm giving my all to God, but it just seems like there's still all this difficult stuff and just really challenging things that just keep coming against me and it's just as soon as I get past one thing it's like here comes another thing and I don't know what's going on it's just what is happening why are all these things continuing to mount up when I feel like I don't know what else I'm supposed to be doing I feel like I'm really following God can anybody maybe relate to that you've been there before right and so how do we sort of reconcile this idea that hey it is the blessed life and we are walking in a place where god is providing for us and we're blessed and his and his covering is there but yet at the same time there would be suffering or there would be difficulty or challenges trials and things that we're going to have to face that are going to sort of come along during those moments, during those seasons? How do we bring those things together? Because that's the case. Those things coexist, right? We can be walking out the blessed life and still be facing trial and tribulation. Now, part of what a lot of that can be accounted to is that every difficult thing we go through makes us stronger, right? I mean, we know that's true. It builds our faith. It strengthens us because of the resistance that we're meeting as we're traveling through those paths of adversity and friction is building and sharpening our character. But there's a lot of other times where I would say there's even more to the situation that we can account for this fact, for this idea, for this, for this notion that we're going to go through some serious stuff, man, you know, and it's not going to make sense, and it's just going to be like, what is going on here? But I believe that if we could really grasp the fact that God has a bigger agenda and a bigger plan to what's going on than just how things are affecting us in our life, that he's got this bigger agenda happening that's outside of us, then maybe we can start to understand that the things that are happening, though they don't make sense in my circle, my box of my life, they make sense if there's more happening outside of me that I'm going through that ultimately is going to affect other people people. And guess what? God's agenda that he has is all about saving lost people. It's all about reaching people that are not living with Christ. That's his major objective. And he's going to use you and I to do that. We're the body and he's the head right so the head sort of makes the decisions and leads and dictates but the hands the arms the feet they carry out the actions they're the ones getting the work done Right? And so God, he's got this agenda to reach the dying world that we live in, but he wants to use you and he wants to use me in order to do that. And if we grasp that God is up to this big picture plan and that he's about a world and a thing that's outside of just us and our life, somehow those things that we go through can begin to take to make a little bit more sense and we can begin to walk through things with more peace in our spirit and more understanding that there's something happening that's purposeful according to what God has for us. You know, I just uh, totaled out my van like a week and a half ago. Some of you know that, some of you don't. And it's interesting because I would have never chose this for myself, you know? I didn't swerve that thing head on into that concrete median at 60 miles an hour on purpose. It wasn't part of my plan. But it's interesting that a lot of things have transpired, a lot of conversations, a lot of meetings and interactions with people just because of how this path has gone for me that I would have never had the opportunity to do otherwise. Now, you could say, well, yeah, well if it didn't happen, that would have been the case too. Well, yeah, I agree, but I would say that somehow God is up to something, okay? I've talked to this one guy that I was, went to go that was appraising my vehicle, and he was like, man, I don't know how you... Walked, he's like, You have no injuries at all. He's like, the transmission was broke underneath, and I'm like, Yeah, I mean, grace of God, man. You know, he just was all over the situation. I prayed and and I believe God just, you know, was there. And he was like, wow, that's great. And so I just I had a chance to declare God's goodness to this man. And I don't know what would have happened if I wouldn't have, or I don't know what seeds that's planted. But all I'm saying is is that there's something bigger going on. I'm kind of aware of that now because of the stuff that I've had to go through. Actually, it was kind of funny as I'm, I can laugh about this now, but as I'm driving, I hit this puddle of water on the highway, it was raining really bad, wasn't texting, wasn't on the phone, yeah, I was just driving, I wasn't holding the wheel very tightly, I'll do that from now on when it's raining, I can tell you for sure, but when I hit that puddle of water, it just kicked my wheel sideways, and I started hydroplaning, and then I spun around, and then I just started to go, and I slammed head on into the concrete median, right there on 255, Scott, across the JB Bridge, you know, And uh, Katie, we just had the girls the night before up here at church doing some stuff and so she packed up their crayons and their coloring stuff and all that. And so it was sitting in the front seat alongside of me. And I remember as I'm getting ready to slam into this wall, the the thing that, for whatever reason, I did yell Jesus. Okay, I did, I said Jesus. And the last thought that went through my mind was like, wow, this is gonna hurt. And then I hit and it was like a Crayola color bomb went off in the car. I just seen colors flying everywhere. I thought, I'm going to heaven. It's it's Joseph's coat or something, you know. I thought it was over. And then I was heading back the other way. But anyway, we go through things. I'm good. I'm all good now looking for a new car. So say a prayer for us there. So we go through things that are going to be difficult that we wouldn't choose for ourselves, but ultimately we recognize that it puts us in positions that we wouldn't put ourselves in to do things or be things to people in places where we would never necessarily be, right? So God uses us to accomplish his plan. Welcome to the family, that's part of being a child of God. He's gonna use you, even if it means difficulty and things that you're gonna have to go through in order to reach people that are in need. Let's turn to our Bibles. In Luke, say, say it's not about, not about me. Turn to your Bibles in Luke fa- chapter 15 and hurry up because I got to get going here. We're in a hurry to get out of here tonight. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. It's not about me, remember? Was, all right. That was lame. Whatever. Luke chapter 15, starting out in verse 1. This is the parable of the lost sheep, right? It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, The man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he spoke in this parable and said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, He calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And then he goes right on into this next parable, which is just even exaggerating this point more the parable of the lost coin. And he says, Oh, what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels, in the uh, angels of God, over one sinner who repents. These scriptures have really just hit me hard lately because God's been showing me through this and just really speaking to me about look at the heart of Jesus here. He is clearly showing us that he is willing to lay everything down in order to reach one lost person. That the heart of Jesus is that if there's one dying soul that's away, that everything about what he's got going on, everything about the convenience or where he's at or what he's accomplished or accumulated, that that's all going to get set to the side and that he's willing to go all the way out of his way, lay everything down just to reach that one lost person. And this is the title of my message tonight is, if only for one. If only for one. And look, this is the heart of Jesus. He said in John chapter 15, he said that greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And Jesus, he's I love a leader who's gonna go first, right? Who's gonna never ask you to do something that he's not already willing, has done, or is willing to do. And Jesus is totally qualified to make a statement like this. Greater love has no man than this to lay down his life for his friend. It, it, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on with the 99, if that one person is astray, you're willing to lay everything down to go out there and find them. And it starts making sense to me more and more because I realize that if God, if if he needs to allow me to go through some really, really tough stuff and difficult things that aren't going to kill me and are going to strengthen my faith in order for me to get put in position or in a place to reach one person that he wants to reach he will gladly make that sacrifice because he was willing to make that sacrifice and he's willing he's going to ask me to do the same thing and and that's the heart of Jesus and he demonstrated that for us you know The Great Commission really demands that we as a people, as the church, are are making the effort and, and trying as hard as we can to see outside of ourselves to feel and sense the needs of where the people that are lost are. There's 7 billion people on the planet and there's 2 billion Christians according to the 10, 2010 surveys, they say, right? So we know that in order to fulfill the Great Commission, we've got to see, we've got to recognize, we've got to be willing to be used by God in ways that's outside of us in our life in order to be colliding and, and, and interacting with people that are on the wrong track that we wouldn't normally put ourselves in the position of else uh, otherwise, right? And so... there's stories of missionaries that go overseas to reach lost people in these little remote villages that inspire me so much and you know there's a lot of them that go over there with the intention of reaching someone and they never end up even getting there they end up dying somehow along the way before they're ever even able to reach the village or the tribe or the people that they're able to reach but somehow along that path somebody else is able to come along and that person that maybe gave gave up their life, went further than anyone else had gone before, and then somebody else comes along after them, and they pick up, and then they be, they're be they able to get further than anyone else has gone, and eventually they're reached, and the gospel is shared, and people are one to the kingdom, and that's what God is all about, reaching lost people. He He makes no apologies for the fact that we're going to get uncomfortable, that we're going to go through trials and tribulations if we're going to walk with Christ, but ultimately there's going to be a greater reward in heaven, and we're going to be used by him while we're on this earth, and people are going to be in eternity that wouldn't have been elsewhere because we are willing to be used outside of our comfort and our complacency in our own life. If you agree with that, say amen. So Katie and I were talking recently and we went through this situation where someone that we knew, uh, it was close to us, that you know they weren't, they weren't living for God, they didn't know Christ and some things were going on in our life where we were contemplating, this was a number of years ago, we were contemplating making some major decisions that would have kind of just totally changed the direction that we were on, the course that we were on, a lot of things. And we really felt like, man, this is something that we wanted to do. We were praying about it. We were really just trying to put a lot of effort into it, and it never really materialized. It never happened. Years went by, and we just kind of realized that, you know, it was probably more us trying to force this thing along than it really was something of God. But as a result of not being moved out of the place that we were in, along the way, we built this relationship where we were ultimately able to lead a family to Christ and help to help them. They're starting to go to church and now live for God and see God actually doing things supernaturally in their life and transforming them. It's an amazing thing, right? And, and it wasn't long ago we were just sitting there talking, Katie and I, and she says, you know, you remember how we were wanting to do all that, we were wanting to change directions and do so many different things or whatever, and I was like, yeah, that's crazy, you know, God knew better, that wasn't what was supposed to happen, and I was like, you know, if that would have happened, then that family, they would have, we would have never been able to really lead them to the Lord, you know, and everything, and she just, she looked at me and she asked me a question, honest, I'd never really pondered this before, and it just, I've not been able to let it go. She said, when I said, I don't, you know, they may not have been led to Christ or whatever, she goes, do you really think God would have let all that happen and everything we went through just for that one person or that one family? And it was like, <laughs> it was just like in my spirit just came out I said, I absolutely do. Yes, I absolutely do. And I have not been able to let go of that notion that if God can use me and he can allow me to go through something that in my mind seems totally that I would never choose for myself, want to be in or want to choose or do or follow, but if if he could allow me to do that in order to reach even just one person so that they can call on Jesus as Lord, then he would allow that to happen. And I am living that, it's like, Things are just so much different. The more I continue to try to remind myself of this, that it's so much bigger than me. There's so much going on outside of me. My difficult situations and trials, that there's a lot of things that can account for that that I don't necessarily know. But I know that they're gonna put me in places and in positions where I can be used by God and I probably wouldn't put myself there otherwise. And even though I may go through those things, God is not gonna contradict the other things that he says about how he's going to provide for me, he's going to take care of me, he's going to protect me, I'm going to have joy, I'm going to have peace. I don't care what those things are, even if I don't choose them for myself and ultimately God allows them to happen, I know that something great can come of it and God is still going to be the great God he is and I'm still going to walk in every one of his promises that I have faith for. And there is a story that I just want to take you through with the rest of the time that we have here tonight that I think really uh, just paints this picture of how God takes us and allows us to go through crazy stuff in order to really use us to reach people and do things that maybe there's no other way that it's going to happen if we're not allowed to go through that. And it's basically what we view as Paul's fourth missionary journey. It's through the book of Acts through chapter twenty chapters 20 through 28. We're going to kind of jump through it quickly. But it starts off in chapter 20 where Paul, he's talking to the brethren and he's saying, listen, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm bound in the spirit. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I know that chains and tribulations await me even to the point possibly of death. And I know that I'm probably never going to see you again, but I just have no choice. I have to go. And so the, the brethren... They try to talk him out of that and try to tell him not to do that. They don't want him to go because they don't want him to go through whatever it is that he's about to go through. And he just responds to them. If you look in verse 22, he says, So I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying the chains of tribulations await me. But none of those things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I've received from my Lord Jesus to testify. And you know, Paul, he's looking at this situation and he sees and realizes that there's something outside of my suffering that God is going to do here. There's people that are going to be reached that God wants to use me to touch that, that if my suffering is the catalyst and the means to get the job done, look, I will gladly go. Don't talk me out of it. Stop. That I, I'm not even willing, it's not even just change and tribulations. I'm willing to die for this thing. Like I know that because what I'm getting ready to do and what I'm going to go through, people are going to go to heaven. They're going to hear the gospel because God is going to use me through the suffering that I am about to endure and I can't pull away from it. He says, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die. Now listen, I'm convinced that it's not like Paul (laughs) loved suffering. I mean, does anybody love suffering? Really? It's like, Woo, bring it on, yeah. No, I don't think so. Nobody wants to just walk into suffering, right? But he understood that beyond his suffering and outside of himself, that people and God was gonna use him to reach people that needed to hear the good news that was kind of burning in his heart. It's crazy that people even nowadays, I mean, they'll do things, ridiculous things, put themselves through pain in order to just entertain other people. Right, you've seen some of the people like you put a helmet on, and then somebody bashes them in the head with a baseball bat or something, you know, and or they they jump off of a cliff in a little kid's bike and then crash and get up laughing all for entertainment, right? But we're but so many times we I'm gonna say me too, not willing to maybe go through some of the harder things in order to reach people or to consider that man God is gonna do something to use you in these places out here. It's just you're suffering. It's just part of the the trail to like, get there. Can you embrace that? Right, and so we see that uh, that people are are doing that in today's world, and, and experiencing suffering, and willing to lay themselves down for things that are, are of so much less meaning. I remember I heard a quote. One of I really liked the football player Stephen Jackson. You know, he used to live here in St. Louis and play for the Rams. And so I remember he was quoted one time. He said, uh, "He said I would die for the game of football. I would die for it." And I remember thinking, "Gosh, that guy's such." like passion he's, he's genuinely I mean, he would probably really die for the game of football do i feel that way about sharing the gospel do i feel that way about a lost and dying world that's out there this guy feels this way about football Right? And I'm not, I'm I'm just trying, I'm challenging myself here. I mean, this is something that's got to get in me and build and grow if I'm going to really get to the places that God wants to use me to get to in my life, to reach the people that are just waiting for what we have to share out there. Paul ultimately, after this journey that he starts on, he's arrested by the Roman authorities, because he's bringing Gentiles into the temple and he's teaching them about the message of salvation the Jewish people they have a fit they freak out why is he preaching to the Gentiles we, we don't you know associate with them and he's talking to them about this message of salvation so they have him arrested the Roman authorities come in they, they grab Paul so now his, his first imprisonment in Rome which is he's heading that way is about to begin and he has the opportunity it's very interesting along the way of heading to Rome there's several stops that he ends up making along the way and he has the opportunity while he's in chains, while he's in prison, to be able to share his testimony and be able to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ with a number of people, including Roman uh, uh centurions and Roman rulers and kings over the Jewish nation, he, and then audiences of people along the way. He has the opportunity to share this good news with all of these people that he would have never otherwise been in a position to share because he's in prison, and they're hearing his case before them as if to consider whether or not he is guilty. At one point, he's actually imprisoned for two years under the governor, Felix, and, and, and the, the governor, he just he's waiting for him to bribe him to get out of jail, but he makes him wait two years and doesn't release him, but it says during this time that people were able to come and go and visit Paul while he was in prison, and we know that if he was in prison for two years, he went through some crazy cold winters and he's enduring all this hardship, but he's getting the chance to share the gospel and speak to people about the good news of salvation that never otherwise probably would have heard this if Paul wasn't going through what he's going through. Severe cold in a, in a prison near Rome in the winter. Is, is, is People die from that. Hey, look, I'm, not, I, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it. I've canceled service projects because of cold weather. It's like, really? I mean... What am I thinking, you know? I'm not saying it was a bad idea. I'm just saying these things challenge me, right? I mean, what is is God really asking us to go through in order for something good to happen? Is there something more to it outside of us that just might be going on? So Paul, he goes through all these different situations, and finally, he's on his way to Rome, right? He's on his way to appear before Caesar, and he's headed on this ship, with a few hundred prisoners on their way to Rome, and he tries to tell them, hey, I don't think that we should go on this journey. The time is really bad. The season is really bad. The the weather is gonna be unfavorable. It's probably not gonna be a good thing. We need to wait it out. And they don't listen to him. He's a prisoner. You know, shut your mouth, sit down. We're sailing to Rome. And so they head out to Rome, and what ends up happening is that they hit a massive storm, and the ship starts getting destroyed. And, and basically, they're about ready to perish. They're trying to figure out what to do. And listen to what Paul says in chapter uh, 27, verse 21. Listen to what he has the opportunity to do now that this storm is about to be destroyed. He has a chance to speak a message of life now and hope and, and give God glory that he never would have otherwise. He says, but after long abstinence of food, Paul stood in the midst of them and said... Men, you should have listened to me and not sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. Little I told you so going on there from Paul, right? See, babe, it's biblical. When I do it, it's biblical. I think I'm going to get that tattoo, my next tattoo right across there, the verse. So whenever I say I told you so, hey, it's biblical, right? Jesus was tatted. Yeah, Revelation 19, man. King of the kings and Jews of the Jews right there on his thigh when he comes down in the white horse when the heavens open. That's what it says. Just saying, he's tatted. Anyway, uh, verse 22. (laughs) And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must go before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, I believe, God, that it will be just as was told me. And then in verse 35, he goes on to say, And when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God. In the presence of them all, they took it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and took food for themselves. And all in all were 276 persons on the ship. Then the ship crashes and breaks, but they get to the island of Malta. They're on the island, Paul and all the prisoners, And he's sitting there. Paul's gathering firewood. He's been able to share the good news now with all of his shipmates, prisoners and centurions alike. And they're on the island, and he goes to gather firewood. And what do you think happens? He gets bit by a snake, a viper. Jumps out, bites him. The Bible says it was hanging off of his hand. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, I'm going to be... Really? (laughs) You have got to be kidding me. I mean, I just... Went through all of this, spent two years in a prison, I got shipwrecked, and now I'm going to get bit by a snake? Seriously, God? Like, what is this one all about? You know, can it get any worse kind of thing? I don't know if that's what Paul was thinking. I'm just saying that's what I would be thinking. So what happens is, is he sits down by the fire, they're around the camp, and all of the natives, they start staring at him and checking him out, waiting for him to swell up and die. Because they're like, this guy's cursed, man. He, 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 he survived the shipwreck, and now they're going to, whoever whatever the curse is, it's going to make sure he's dead, so he gets bit by a snake. But ultimately, the night goes on, and nothing happens. And they're like, okay, he's, he's, he's not cursed. He's some kind of a god. He must be some kind of a god that a snake, a venomous viper, bites him, and he just shakes it off, and nothing happens. And that opens the door for what happens next which is Paul goes to the ruler of the village of the island's father who is sick with fever. This dude named Publius, I don't know what kind of a name that is, but that's his name, Publius or Publius, whatever. He goes to the guy's dad that's laying sick with with fever, lays his hands on him and he's healed. And then after that, it says that every single person on the island with disease, every person came and Paul laid hands on him and they were healed. Unbelievable, right? You may not know, And I may not know when we're going through things exactly what it is all about. Paul probably didn't realize what in the world he had to take a snake bite for. But the natives understood. They had an answer for that question. What was going on there? After the fact, it was the the catalyst or whatever it was that put him in position to be able to bring that healing and be able to bring that good news of Jesus Christ to people that would have never otherwise heard that. See, if you and I heard, if God came to us and said, I'm convinced that if he said to us, hey, look, Dan, I want to use you, bro, to reach 276 lost and dying people. I want you to share the gospel and God's goodness with them. And oh yeah, Darryl, I want to use you to minister healing to an entire island of natives that are all sick with disease and dying, and they don't know Jesus either. We'd probably say, yeah, sign me up, man, I am in. But, by the way, hold on, not done. In order to do that, here's the deal. You're gonna have to be beaten. You're gonna have to be imprisoned. You're gonna have to go through severe winter. Oh yeah, it's gonna be like two years that you're gonna be sitting in that cell. You're gonna have to almost die of hunger and starvation. You're gonna have to go through a shipwreck. You're almost gonna drown. And then you're gonna get bit by a snake that's poisonous. He's gonna hang from your hand for a little bit. That's gonna be a really bad deal there. And all of that, for something you're being accused of doing that you've never actually done, that you're innocent of. That's really what it's gonna take to get to those people. What would we say? What would we say? Sometimes what we don't necessarily know ahead of time is good for us, and God understands that. He doesn't show us every detail and answer every question, and that serves us well many times when we don't think it is. Amen? So he goes from there and he finally gets to Rome and he sits in Rome for another two years in prison waiting to appear before Caesar and guess what he gets to do while he waits. In Acts Acts chapter 28 verse 30 and 31, Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. Opportunities impacted lives on a path that no one would ever choose for themselves. But God is totally up to something the entire time. He's still protecting Paul. He's still taking care of Paul's needs. He's still blessing him Paul's still filled with joy, with peace. All that's still right intact. But he's enduring some pretty tough stuff. And he's going through things that many people will never even experience in their entire life, even though we go through some really difficult things. And he understands that he is willing to do that because outside of himself, there are things happening that are affecting where people are going to spend eternity. God will prov- provide and, pr- and, and bless us, and he can do that all in many different ways. But if reaching one lost person, one lost person, requires our life to be interrupted, disrupted, inconvenienced, set back uh, from time of what our own personal pursuits are, I'm just saying to you tonight, God will ask you to make that sacrifice. He will ask you, and he is qualified To ask you. Now I'm convinced that God wants to use each and every one of us to reach multitudes, not just one person. But here is the heart of the matter. Before we are in a position to reach multitudes, we've got to first be willing to lay it all down for just one. For just one. And when we're ready to do that, it was the heart of Jesus. Let it be our heart. He was willing to lay it all down for one, and when we're ready to do that, we're going to have that heart. It's going to put us in places. It's going to put us in positions where it's not going to be easy, but God's going to be there, and he's going to use you, and he's going to use me, and he's going to reach people that would never otherwise be reached that are waiting for us to get there, and they don't even.